G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby, get an idea of what's on the political agenda this week. Martin Isles is back with us. Martin, welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. It's good to be back. Martin, there's a number of really important issues to talk about, but I wonder if I might just touch on the breaking news overnight uh, where FEMA, that's the body that manages swimming around the world, they've decided to say no to the trans swimmers competing in elite competition. I wonder if you've got a thought or two on what's come about overnight. Well, it's a surprise to me, Neil. I mean, I've been catching up uh, on this myself, and it's a surprise to me that it happened. Uh, But looking over the news reports about how it happened, it seems like it's no surprise at all, because uh, during the FINA meetings, uh, it seems the scientific testimony was overwhelming to the effect that uh, if you have a biological male uh, who nonetheless identifies as a trans woman, seeking to compete in women's swimming events, the unfair advantage is profound. Uh, And I think that's obvious to anybody who has eyes and anybody who just thinks carefully about these things. Uh, The body mass of men is so much greater. The, uh, The muscle mass of men is greater. The aerobic capacity of men is greater. And hormones don't significantly change a lot of those things. Um, As one of the uh, professors who spoke to FINA said, uh, testosterone is an anabolic steroid uh, and and it has a huge performance impact. They even heard testimony to the effect that actually a 14-year-old boy, uh, there are 14-year-old boys who can outswim the fastest open-age females uh, currently in the competition. Uh, And so this is a fair and just outcome. Uh, The world was shocked when Leah Thomas beat all of the women in the swimming events. Uh, Leah Thomas, a trans woman, a a biological man, uh, and a number of brave uh, professional athletes spoke out. And that's one thing I sort of, I guess, uh, think it's worth highlighting out of this whole process. A number in particular of the Australian women the Australian women's swimming team, who the uh, nation watched uh, win a whole lot of medals at the last Olympics, uh, they came out and spoke very strongly to say, look, it's not fair. Uh, something needs to be done about this. Uh, and I take my hat off to people who are prepared to speak out like that uh, in a very, very difficult subject area uh, and in a very, very heated political environment. And I do think that their voices, in fact, Kate Campbell spoke at the meeting uh, with FINA uh, the other, uh, last night, uh, and their voices made a difference. And it's a great little example to us to say, look, sometimes it's hard to speak up. Sometimes the issue uh, is extremely controversial, but someone's got to do it. Uh, And if we're brave enough, we can actually make a difference. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated from this entire process. So it's a great outcome and it's the right outcome. And um, I'm surprised, but uh, it looks good for the future. 
And no doubt those who will speak up, because lots of people will be asked about this over the coming 24 hours, uh, those that do speak up may well be subjected to the sort of pylon that happens when you speak against an agenda like this trans agenda. So no doubt there could be some issues that will still be unfolding from that. And no doubt there's also some fine print in what FINA says that gives them an out if there are all sorts of controversies that are rise. Let's move on because there's some very, very big and significant things happening, Martin. Let's turn our attention to the ACT, uh, which is these days your hometown, uh, because that's where the Australian Christian Lobby is based, proposed changes to the Discrimination Act and how they'll impact churches. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is a really significant piece of legislation, Neil, and uh, I appreciate that being in the ACT, uh, most of the country will think, oh, well, that's not relevant to us. But it's important in this discussion to note, and it'll be the same, uh, I think we're going to cover some Tasmanian stuff in a minute as well. And if that's the case, you know, uh, these these are examples of where things are headed around the country, actually, uh, because the same concepts, the same templates get introduced in one parliament and then all of a sudden they get introduced in another one and another one and another one. It's, it's just a, a playbook. We see this all the time. So what's happening in the ACT is relevant to everybody because it's starting here. It's always the ACT or Victoria. Uh, and then what happens is it starts to spread. And here's basically what's happening. They're changing the local discrimination laws. Uh, and the reason that matters is that churches and religious bodies like Christian schools, uh, Christian campgrounds, charities and so forth, uh, rely on what's called exemptions in these discrimination acts. So, for example, a church can't employ somebody as a pastor uh, who doesn't believe their religious doctrine or doesn't live uh, according to their religious doctrine. So, for example, the obvious uh, controversy would be around a person who might be identifying as transgender or homosexual. Uh, well, they wouldn't be an appropriate church pastor. And so the church needs these exemptions in the anti-discrimination laws in order to be able to say, no, uh, you can't be a pastor or actually, no, you can't be a school teacher or and so on. It's the same thing in terms of enrolling students in the school. It's the same thing in terms of hiring out your venue to the public to say, well, no, we don't want to have a same sex wedding in our church or various things like that. And unfortunately, we have to rely on these sort of very flimsy exemptions in these discrimination acts all over the country. And in the ACT, what they propose to do effectively is narrow these exemptions to make it very hard for religious bodies and Christian groups and charities and schools and churches to operate in accordance with their convictions. Uh, So, for example, not only do you have to prove that your selection of a staff member or a priest or a pastor uh, had to be done to avoid injury to your doctrines, Uh, Now there's an additional test being applied. It says, well, and it also has to have been reasonable in the circumstances. And you say, well, how on earth do we know what's reasonable in the circumstances? Well, glad you asked because the Human Rights Commission is going to have to decide. And so what that means is that every one of these decisions in the ACT will be subjected to scrutiny by the Human Rights Commission, who are not theologians uh, and certainly don't share the worldview of a church. Uh, And they will decide whether or not it was reasonable, or courts indeed, if there's appeals, they will decide whether or not it was reasonable. So you can see it's becoming difficult for Christian organisations to choose staff who are Christian. And of course, you don't have a Christian organisation anymore. If you don't have Christian staff, uh, that's the end of the Christian organisation. It's the people that, that sort of make it up. 
Uh, and there's various other changes as well. There's changes that mean that schools won't be able to have gender-separated sporting teams. Speaking of uh, trans people in sports, uh, Christian schools are going to struggle to have boys' teams and girls' teams and to enforce that under these changes. Um, and uh, also there's an exception there, and this is quite uh, random, but there's an exception there about domestic duties. So usually if you're hiring someone for domestic duties, like a cleaner for your house, there's no discrimination rules. You, you get to say because it's your own home. You know, it doesn't. You, you can choose whomever you want for whatever reason you want, uh, and the law isn't going to have a say about that. Well, that's changed. All of a sudden, now the law does have a say about that. Uh, so you can't discriminate now in choosing a cleaner or a nanny or whatever. Uh, and then the final significant thing that I note is that there is a very curious uh, provision, uh, which I'm going to call reverse discrimination. So. Usually, if you're running a cafe and someone comes up to buy a, a muffin and you say, no, don't want to sell you a muffin because you're, I don't know, you're black, you're gay, you're trans, whatever. OK, that's obviously discrimination. Well, now there's this weird situation where if a, if a restaurant or a business of any kind finds out that you did not come into their establishment and use their service, because they were flying a rainbow flag out the front and they had a big sign saying 20% of all proceeds go to LGBT causes and you go, oh, look, maybe I'll go next door instead. You can now be prosecuted for discrimination as a customer for not choosing a business on discriminatory grounds, uh, which to me is nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's reversed the whole uh, discrimination system. So there's a, a number of changes, and the most serious ones are just those changes that make Christian organisations, puts them really on the back foot and on the ropes, probably unable to effectively continue to be Christian organisations through the employment and the selection of staff and the use of their facilities. Well, I did say to listeners, uh, there'll be some challenging things coming up as we talk about this week's political agenda. There is a meeting that's on tomorrow night in Canberra. What sort of uh, things will be discussed, do you think, there, Martin? And, uh, you know, whereabouts is that meeting? Yeah, so that meeting is at a local church, and people can get the details at acl.org.au slash events. Uh, if they go to that page, they'll see it there. Uh, and it's just, a, it's, oh, there's a couple of hundred people registered already to come along. And, and the point of that is to simply take people through the implications of these laws. They haven't passed yet. Uh, in fact, we are lobbying pretty hard to see whether or not the ACT government will uh, have some mercy and change a couple of these, but it's difficult here in the ACT to get those sorts of changes. But the main thing is to make sure that churches and Christian folk are fully informed and aware of what these changes mean, uh, that they're also equipped in terms of having a voice to contact their MP to uh, let them know what they think about them, uh, but also maybe just to sit down and say, well, what's, what's the Christian way forward here? If these laws are going to change, uh, what can we change about what we do? Uh, but also what are the things we can't change about what we do and uh, where do we get the legal help that we need uh, to continue doing what we need to do? The Human Rights Law Alliance will be presenting there um, and they can give people the legal support they need uh, to navigate these things in their own personal lives. So I'll give the website again shortly, but acl.org.au. For listeners who are in the ACT or who are around the ACT, you might want to be a part of that meeting. Hey, you mentioned Tasmania, some moves in Tasmania to introduce the most oppressive laws ever proposed for Tasmania around these issues of conver conversion suppression legislation and even the Premier's support. What's happening in Tasmania, Martin? 
Well, I thought, Neil, that Victoria probably set the high watermark with their um, uh, change and suppression legislation, as they call it, or their anti-conversion legislation. And uh, their act certainly was probably the most, uh, let's say, oppressive in the world. But Tasmania is on a pathway towards something at least as significant. And Again, I just want to say this might be Tasmania, but people need to see that the Australian Capital Territory has these laws, Victoria has these laws, New South Wales is talking about these laws, Western Australia was talking about these laws, gone a bit quiet now, but may come back. So these things are spreading around the country. It's really important to know where things are going, uh, depressing as it may be. But the Tasmanian Law Reform Commission has put out a And they've said Tasmania needs uh, conversion laws. And uh, the Tasmanian Premier has come out quickly and said, oh, yes, yes, I agree. Uh, That's uh, the new Premier, Jeremy Rockliffe. Um, And if you read the Tasmanian Law Reform Commission report, which contains a bunch of recommendations to the government, uh, it's concerning. They effectively say, well, they definitely do say, that they want to target the ideology behind conversion practices. And, of course, what they mean by that is Christian doctrine. Um, They describe the ideology as the belief that uh, gender identity and sexual orientation uh, should conform to an archetype. Um, They mean the archetype that boys are boys and girls are girls and boys become men and girls become women and men marry women and have children. And that's the way, you know, life should be. And, of course, that's exactly what Jesus said when he said, uh, have you not heard from the beginning God made the male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. You know, there's your archetype. So they're saying that uh, that belief uh, and the belief that people should conform to that belief, they want to turn that into hate speech. And uh, they say publications and materials that promote that belief ought to be captured under hate speech laws. And they also say that anybody who implements that belief in their pastoring, in their counselling, uh, or if they're a medical professional in their, in their medical practice, whether that be through the psychology field or whether that be through uh, their, their general practice field, uh, or indeed if they are parents with children who may have gender dysphoria or may have questions about their gender identity, uh, this report says that anyone who puts that belief into practice uh, should be guilty of conversion therapy. And so just to boil it all down into the tiniest little nutshell, what this is saying is, well, if you tell a little girl who has questions that she is a little girl, that could be a legal conversion therapy. But if you tell a little girl that has questions, that her questions might be true and she's probably a little boy, then that is affirmation treatment, affirmative treatment, and it is acceptable and it is good. It gets a big green tick. That is literally what's going on here. Uh, That is how mad it is. Uh, The report specifically targets Christian doctrine in a most aggressive way. Um, And it concludes by saying that they want to do all of this, even though there is no scientific study as to the prevalence of conversion practices in the state of Tasmania. And there is no uh, study which gives... Uh, uh, any uh, evidence of these practices in it, the, these practices are ongoing. So it's an ideological attack, um, but we've seen it in Victoria, we've seen it in the ACT. These are the challenging times into which we're headed. But Tasmanians, there's going to be a huge opportunity for you to speak up. 
Uh, and so please be ready to do that. We've had some meetings in Launceston and Hobart, which were extremely well attended. Uh, we are watching the government's next move. This is going to be one to participate in because by participating in this campaign, we may be able to water the laws down and make them better. So that's a really important thing to be able to do. Please stay tuned. And Martin, just in case uh, we might think this is partisan, some people think, oh, Labor government's bad, Liberal government's good. Well, Tasmania has a Liberal government. And what you're expressing here is that the ideological form of this new proposal is as bad or worse than what we've seen already. Well, yes. So this is the insane thing. Now, we haven't seen an actual law from the Tasmanian government. So we've just got to wait and see. Uh, It's the Law Reform Commission that have put out this report. But the Liberal Premier expressed endorsement of this report. So uh, you're right, Neil. Unfortunately, this whole juggernaut is something which is starting to cross ideological boundaries and political boundaries. And we're seeing just as big a threat in Tasmania as we ever saw in Victoria. And one more issue before I let you go, and time is running short. Uh, Back to the ACT, as you were saying, seems to be leading the way in a lot of these laws that some of us will be very challenged by. Uh, The thought that illicit drugs to be decriminalised in the ACT, uh, what's happening there, Martin? Uh, Yeah, I have a theory that the ACT is going to become like California in a few years and people have to start to leave because of all of these changes. But just briefly, uh, effectively, the ACT government is decriminalising the possession of small amounts of illicit drugs, including heroin, including meth, including cocaine, including the whole suite. Uh, The actual police commissioner, local police commissioner, or it might have been the former one, has actually come out and said, look, this is madness. If you have people able to carry this stuff around, use this stuff in small quantities without problem, you're going to end up with more murders, you're going to end up with more thefts, you're going to end up with more psychological problems. It is a disaster for police. I guess the proof will be in the pudding, Neil, and we'll see how it goes. But this is, I think, a fundamental misunderstanding of human nature. They think people are good, what we know as Christians, that actually uh, people have a sinful nature which needs to be constrained, and the law is supposed to be one of the means by which that constraint is imposed. So the ACT is experimenting with some dangerous stuff. There's lots of things to talk about as these things progress. Martin Isles, always appreciate your uh, amazing insights. Martin is Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. You'll be able to find more detail as you go to the website acl.org.au. My encouragement is to be a part of those meetings that are planned and to be informed about the developments that are happening in your state acl.org.au Martin, thanks so much for updating us once again today on 2020 Thank you Neil, always a pleasure Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media To find out more about us go to vision.org.au Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.